With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's the final hour on this Tuesday. Former USC star Reggie Bush will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. Phone calls always welcome 877-3DP-SHOW. Operator Tyler standing by. Good morning for those watching on Peacock, our streaming partner. Bills hold off the Steelers. Mike Tomlin maybe adds more questions than answers as he leaves the podium without answering about his future with one year left on his deal with the Steelers. Josh Allen was wonderful yesterday, three touchdowns and a touchdown run. The Buccaneers over the Eagles. Baker Mayfield throws for three touchdowns. Bill Belichick interviews with the Falcons. Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers. And Caleb Williams beats the deadline and announces he is going pro and will probably be the number one pick overall. What if he missed the deadline? What if he was like, wait, was that was that West Coast? Was that East Coast time? What? I don't know if it's a real deadline, but uh, Caleb, Caleb Williams got his paperwork in there, and uh, he is uh, declaring for the draft. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. Uh, we say good morning, uh, radio affiliates, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio. Poll question for the final hour is going to be what, Seaton O'Connor? Uh, well, let me update you, Dan. We've put up there who had the worst loss this weekend. Yeah. Eagles or Cowboys? The Cowboys did. You think so? Yes. What did this educated audience say? 77% of the audience agreed with you. All righty. The Cowboys definitely had the worst loss this weekend. Yes, because we were surprised at that. And they lost at home. And they had been playing well. And they were facing a young team and a quarterback making his playoff debut. Other than that, like the Eagles... Everything was stacked against them other than that. The Eagles were stumbling down the home stretch here. And I'm not surprised. I'm surprised they got embarrassed like they did. And is there going to be a coaching change? Here's Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, after the loss. That's, that's a little premature to talk through that. Um, everybody in that locker room's hurting right now. Um, coaches, players, staff, every, everybody in that locker room's uh, hurting. And my job right now is to be there for them, be there for the guys. We'll get into all that. Um, I'm not there yet. Well, you might not be there yet, but management ownership could be. Hey, I'm not into uh, talking about this, Mr. Laurie. Uh, I am. Uh, come on in. Uh, do I bring my playbook? So you might have changes here. Washington has an opening. Dallas might have an opening. Philadelphia could have an opening. Chargers have an opening. Vegas still has an opening. 
Atlanta has, Carolina has. There are a lot of different opportunities here. And now you wonder, could Bill Belichick, the fact that he's in play, affect what Philadelphia does? Dallas with Mike McCarthy, that Belichick is in play, what that could mean. Of all the owners, now I could see David Tepper in Carolina going, yeah, I got the money. I can bring him in. I'm a billionaire. I can do whatever I want. Like Steve Cohen with the Mets. Yeah, I'll just go buy everybody. Okay. You want to spend that money? I don't see Belichick going to Carolina because they're not ready to win anytime soon. And Bill wants to prove, he would never admit this, and this is just my feeling, hey, Tom proved that he could win without me a Super Bowl. I can win without Tom and win a Super Bowl. Well, where are you going to do that? Dallas? Philadelphia? Any place else? Probably not. Not in a three-year window. And I think that's what you have to factor in here. How long is Bill going to coach? Five years? Four years? Three years? I would say over-under would be four seasons. And I would probably take the under. And maybe he wins. Maybe he wins. He surpasses Don Shula. He's, He's a lifer. He's one of those guys that will coach until he dies, probably. And if it's not in the NFL, he would coach... You know, maybe lacrosse at, uh, you know, a Division three school. Like, just something. He'll be out there because that's what he does. He coaches. Coaches, you know, players. Yes, Marvin. I'm sorry to do this, everybody, but if Belichick wins a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, that's just another ring Jerry Jones won't get credit for. Or does mm-hmm. he not even care at this point? Well, it, this isn't a case of when Jimmy was there, when Jerry really had a problem that Jimmy was getting all the credit. I think Jerry would gladly give credit to Bill Belichick if it meant that he was going to get another Super Bowl ring. I I would hope that he's learned over 30 years that uh, it's okay to share the credit. But Jerry couldn't share the credit. And that's pro- part of the problem. And Steve Young, if you didn't hear the interview, I thought he was wonderful. He was talking about, you know, the issue with the Cowboys is systemic. It's Jerry Jones. Because Jerry doesn't hire big personalities there. But if you hire Bill Belichick, then he is relinquishing control. Because he is owner, GM, and if he could play quarterback, he would. He wants to be coach as well. You can't coach a team where after every game, everybody is waiting to talk to the owner. I know it's your team. I know your ego is as large as the state. But you have to let the people come in and do their job. And Jerry doesn't let them do that because you're constantly worried about what Jerry's going to say. And then the media comes over and talks to you. I mean, Mike McCarthy was the right guy for Jerry because that's the kind of guy that he hires. Now, he's got a better resume than a lot of these coaches he's brought in. He's won a Super Bowl. But if you truly want to win a Super Bowl, I think you have to have somebody you know, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, somebody who comes in and says, no, Jerry, that's not what we're doing now. And if, if you know, it can't be that scenario, then why take that job? You don't, you don't want to go in there and then have Jerry cut you off, cut your legs out from underneath you. I can't see these big personalities. There's no way. Belichick is not going in there now. He's going to have to allow. They need a football operations person. That would be great to help Bill. Because Bill's job is, put me in a game and let me coach. Let me outcoach the opposition. But leading up to that, when he's 
the guy who's got to buy the groceries, he's not good at buying them. He can cook them, but he can't buy them. And that's been the problem with him. So it's almost like Dallas needs to hire a, a, you know, a, a buffer between the coach and the owner, and then you have to have a coach who can go in and know that he has you know, total autonomy there. And that usually doesn't happen. You know, this guy in Carolina, David Tepper, hey, I, I, I'm a billionaire. I'm the smartest guy in the room. i gotta be, I got to gotta get my hands dirty. No, you don't. How many owners are available right after the game, right outside of the locker room? Jerry. Every week. He's there. In fact, he'll find you. You don't have to find him. You can't have that. And Steve Young also said something interesting. He said that there's a sense of entitlement with the Cowboys. At least that's my expression. That you're already a star. And Steve said they should start the season with no stars on their helmets. Now, at first I thought, okay, he's having fun with this. He goes, no, 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 I'm being serious. If you win 10 games, everybody gets one star on the side of their helmet. Sort of like Ohio State where they give you a Buckeye. And then if you win a playoff game, you get the other star on your helmet. (laughs) You've earned your stars. I love that. I was also thinking about the quarterbacks, the four quarterbacks left in the NFC. One of these quarterbacks is going to be in the Super Bowl. Now, Jared Goff has been there before. Brock Purdy, Baker Mayfield, and Jordan Love. One of those four is going to be in the Super Bowl. Now, you look at the AFC, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I mean, C.J. Stroud's going to be the rookie of the year, but these are the quarterbacks left. But if you look at the NFC, Jared Goff has already been in one Super Bowl. And I know the importance we place on that position, but sometimes you can look and go, it's not the most important thing to have. Sometimes having a really good team, a balanced team around you, can make that, can elevate that quarterback instead of that quarterback has to elevate his, you know, the rest of his teammates. Yes, Todd? In the NFC, that quarterback only led his team to three more points than the other three quarterbacks combined. That would be Jared Goff in a 13 3 loss, I believe. Let's take a little shot there. Oh. Of all the NFC teams. No, that's, that's not worth it. No, that's not. And you know that. You we know. have zero and one has three points no, in the Super Bowl. It's, it's, thank you, Todd. <laughs> Didn't hear from you. Did hear from you. Better off not hearing from you. Don't want to hear from you. <laughs> uh, Mike Tomlin was asked this question. Uh, he didn't answer it. Mike, you have a year left on your contract. Why? 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 He walked out, by the way. He, he didn't stay. Okay, is that a terrible question? I know you just lost. Was there a question yet? I No, the uh, reporter didn't get to get to the question. Yeah. Mike, you have a year left on your contract. What if she walked out with Mike! Him? Why not just say... I, hey, yes, I do. What if, what if it was, Mike, you have a year left on your contract. Da, da, da. Are you ready for that extension right now? Yes, Todd. If the PR person or Mike himself would have said as they started that press conference, I just want to let you know I'm talking about the game. I'm not talking about my future. Go ahead, ask me your questions. Then that would have been rude for that question to still be yes. That's a perfectly reasonable journalist. You can, you can answer this question and not you know, bring about more questions. If he would have said... Yes, I'm the, I'm the coach of the Steelers. 
and leave it at that. Now, somebody might follow up and say, are you going to sign a contract extension? Uh, I, I don't have any plans now. I haven't been presented anything, but I'm the coach of the Steelers. Now, all of a sudden, does he want to coach elsewhere? Does he want to take a year off? Does he want to uh, do what Bill Coward did? Just the fact that you walked out, now all of a sudden I've got questions. Whereas I had questions earlier in the week, but that's only because you know I was told something by a TV executive. But that's not a big shocker that you know the TV networks they would be waiting for Mike Mike Tomlin. Now, does he want to do what Bill Cowher did, where you just go, "That's it, I'm done," because Tomlin at age what fifty one, that's seventeen years he's been doing this. Got a Hall of Fame resume, if that matters to him. And you could bounce out, go do what Bill Cowher did. Bill Cowher seems like he is really happy. Whenever we've been around Coach Cowher, that dude is always having a good day. Jimmy Johnson is having a good day. May we all have good days. Like Even a bad Jimmy Johnson day is better than most of our good days. Yeah, Paulie. The tough part with the Steelers is they're, they're in the kind of no-man's land quarterback-wise. they got a bunch of decent guys. And they've got their draft pick, what? It's probably going to be like 19th or something, 22nd. Okay, but you have a good running game. These receivers are a little quirky. You got a good tight end. You got the defensive player of the year. You got a couple of good defensive players. You just don't have a a really good quarterback here. And what are you going to have? The 20th pick in the draft? You're going to trade up and get somebody? Luke and Charlotte. Hi, Luke. What's on your mind today? Hey, Dan, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, give some flowers to Mason Rudolph real quick. I mean, as a Steeler fan, I know that we've given him hell over the past couple of years. We watched him get assaulted on TV. Ben didn't like him. And just the way that he stepped in and the professionalism he's shown is just beyond respectable. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. Now, do I think he's the second coming of Geno Smith in Seattle? I don't. Because he's been there. He's been there on the run. It's, it's not like they brought him in. He's been there. And I think that was what was surprising. It's like Tony Romo was saying, oh, he could be like Geno Smith. Like he's the real deal. And I go, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he's a starting quarterback. I, he was there and you used your first round pick on a quarterback. That should tell you everything there. Uh, Anthony in Des Moines. Hey, Anthony, what's on your mind today? Hey, DP. Hey, bud. I got a pie-to-the-face bet with you or any Dana that wants to take it right. that Belichick will not be the next coach of the Cowboys because, just like you said, DP, he, he'll have to deal with Jerry and management and everything else that comes with the Cowboys. That is not Belichick. No way. Well, I'm not going to take the bet. I don't know if anybody else will because I, I don't know what to expect out of Jerry, and I don't know what to expect out of Bill. If if I'm the Cowboys and I'm Jerry Jones, I reach out to Bill and say, I want you to come in and be my coach. But I don't know if Bill wants to do that. I don't know if he wants to go to Dallas. Um, I don't know if you know he sees a better situation for him. Maybe Philadelphia. I don't know if he wants to stay on the East Coast. So I, I, I think just trying to speculate on it is fun, but I wouldn't attach you know anything serious to it. Uh, let's see. Trent in Virginia. Hi, Trent. What's on your mind today? 
Hey, DP. Thanks for taking my call. Wanted to get you guys' thoughts on something we're seeing lately in the NFL with these defensive backs going low on these tight ends and them getting their knees blown out. We've seen it happen to a few of them. I'm wondering if the NFL does anything or if it takes it happening in a high-profile game like it to, to Kittle or to Kelsey and it changing the course of the game before they make a rule change. Well, I know Chris Collinsworth brought this up. And what he said, he was telling you the truth. Because if you ask players, hey, would you rather get hit up top in your head or down low with your knees, they'll say up top because they're not worried. You don't play that sport and worry about long-term injuries. If you take out my knee, I'm out for a year. Or maybe my career is over. If I if I get hit in the head and it's a concussion, maybe, maybe I'm out for a play or two. Maybe it affects me when I'm 45 years of age. I don't think these players think about that down the road. Yes, Eaton. I don't know that it will be, but I think the thing that needs to be addressed, uh, we saw last night the quarterback running, act like he's going to slide, and then keep going. <laughs> that is a garbage play. That is absolutely garbage. And if I wouldn't be surprised if the next time a quarterback does that, the next time there's a chance there's a significant penalty. I thought. Because that is asking for it. I Josh Allen did the fake, and I thought, oh, boy. You know what? If I'm the Steelers' defense and I get an opportunity, I'm going to hit you. And say, so, you know, I'll take the 15. you take the 15. Do that again. Do the fake slide thing again. Go ahead. But, look, the NFL has not done anything for the defense in years. In fact, they take away things. They don't add anything. They don't help you. If you're a defensive back, what do you do? What can you do? What are you allowed to do? And it feels like the list of things that you're allowed to do is shrinking. Where's the offense we keep adding to it? Where can I hit you? How can I hit you? Uh, can I land on you? Uh, did I go up too high? Wait, you lowered your head. Like Patrick Mahomes lowered his head when he took on the defensive player Saturday night. You know, when he cracked his helmet, he's not going to get fined. But he did lower his helmet. He's not going to get fined. All right, let me take a break. We'll uh, hear from Reggie Bush. He'll join us coming up. We're back after this Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. 
You know, you get those pieces, like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Super Bowl odds. DraftKings has the Niners, the big favorites, followed by the Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, and then the Lions. And then the long odds are the Buccaneers, the Packers, and the Texans. We'll get to more phone calls coming up. He's Reggie Bush, just inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame during the uh, National Football Foundation dinner in Las Vegas last month. And uh, Reggie joining us on the program. Before we get to Reggie, let's play the Reggie Bush game, the favorite NFL team he had when he was growing up. Todd, I'll start with you. I'm going to say the Raiders. Okay. Seton. Man, Raiders is a good guess. I know, I agree. Uh, I'm going to say the Raiders. All right, Marvin? I'm going to say the Chargers. Okay, all right, local team. All right, Paulie? It's got to be the Chargers. I'm going to go Raiders. Let's bring in Reggie Bush to play the Reggie Bush game. Your favorite team growing up was? Uh, It was the Chargers, man. San Diego Chargers. Okay. (laughs) Who was your favorite running back growing up? Barry Sanders. Um, he was a guy that I wanted to emulate my game after. He's a guy that I fell in love with. Um, he is a guy that really, like, I felt like introduced me to the game of football. He was the first person that really just captivated me when I watched him on the screen. But is that something you can learn, the way Barry ran? Um, yeah, it is. I, I think if, um, you know, obviously it takes a lot of hard work, dedication. Um, but, you know, the way that Barry moved, 
to me, it was just, it was pure artwork, you know, and it was, um, you know, there, there was a lot of, you know, built in instincts as well into it. And, and a lot of that plays into your vision. And so, you know, I think there are different drills and things that you can work on with, with young kids as far as working on their vision, how to use your peripheral vision, how to see things, how to set things up. Um, and then you have to work on the quick feet as well. Um, and so I think there is, you know, there, you can get to, you know, the level of, of what, you know, Barry Sanders um, was. It's obviously going to take a lot of hard work, dedication, and there's only one true Barry. But, yeah, you can definitely get there. What was it like when you met him? Oh, man, it was it was full circle moment for me. Um, you know, he's such a humble guy. And I think I, I remember meeting him. Uh, my I wasn't even drafted yet. I was actually about to get drafted. And I was in Detroit. You remember when the Super Bowl was in Detroit? Um, and I was out there for the Super Bowl. So and that's when I met Barry Sanders for the first time. And I was just I was overwhelmed. It was a full circle moment. I couldn't believe I was meeting my idol, the guy that I just always wanted to pattern my game after. And he was so humble, you know. And a lot of times people talk about when you meet your heroes, you know, they don't they don't always live up to that. Barry Barry lived up to it. How big of celebrities were you guys at USC in in that moment? Um, I would say we were very big. Um, when you look at the we can talk about just the sidelines alone, right? Every celebrity, you know, would come out to our games. Um, Snoop Dogg was always there. Will Ferrell was there. Shaq was there sometimes, um, you know, and, and it was awesome, man. It, we were on that football field, in that stadium, you know, we felt like gladiators. And, you know, that was the arena um, that, you know, we love to compete in. And every game was sold out, you know, 95, 96,000 people. What's the most surreal moment you had when you played there? Um, I had a lot of them. <laughs> I had a lot of them. It's hard to, to choose one because there were a lot of games that I look back on um, that I just I, – I, I can't believe it happened. You know, I think one that sticks out is the, is the Notre Dame game. We played in Notre Dame, um, you know, winning that game in the last second, you know, with what is being dubbed as the Bush push. Um, but – you know, it, it was it was awesome to go through that experience, you know, with my brothers, with my teammates, uh, with the coaches, um, you know, playing for the fans. Um, and then also at home, you know, I think uh, some of my memorable games are playing against uh, UCLA um, because that was always our last game of the season. There's always a crosstown rivalry. And we always wanted to make sure that we saved a little bit up just for UCLA so that we always have bragging rights that we owned L.A., you know. So, so many, so many uh, memories – you know, when I think about my time at USC, and, and uh, I'm just so appreciative that I stopped through there. Well, I didn't know if the NFL was a letdown after playing at USC. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. When I got to when I got but to fame wise, Orleans, fame wise, you were more famous in college than you were in the NFL. Well, I, I'll say this: when I got to New Orleans, um, there was a there was an explosion, you know, of of just the fan base welcoming welcoming me with open arms because you got to also remember this is six months after five months after hurricane Katrina. And so me coming to the city of new Orleans was a very big deal because one, the team hadn't been good in years. Mm. And if you remember, they were called the ain'ts, you know, people will refer to them as the ain'ts and, and fans would show up to the games with paper bags over their, over their heads. And, and the team, you know, I believe they had lost every game the year before. Um, so you know, me coming to New Orleans was a very big deal. 
And it was one of my favorite moments. You talk about a surreal moment. That was a surreal moment, me going to New Orleans, uh, because I was supposed to be the number one draft pick. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Mario taking Williams. you back down, Mario Williams ended up being the number one draft pick. I actually found out the same way everybody else found out. Um, Wait, I found what, out on Sports Center. Was it because he was signable? Like, that was it, the report at the time. No. You want to know the truth? Yeah. The truth is with Charlie Casserly. And, you know, he he hasn't talked about it. You know, we've actually had an opportunity to discuss it uh, when I was working for NFL Network because one of the executives found out the truth, and I hadn't even known the truth yet uh, about why I didn't go to Houston. And apparently it was because they hired a private investigator to investigate me during the Heisman Trophy um, debacle that was happening at that time. And the investigator came back and said that I was a bad guy, had bad character, I was a street kid, and um, mm. that they shouldn't sign me, they shouldn't draft me. And so this is a story I'm getting from one of the executives at NFL Network. Um, and so, you know, they wanted to do this one-on-one with me and Charlie Cassidy and just kind of talk about it. And at first, Cassidy said, yeah, and then he ended up backing out because, you know, I think he understood it probably, you know, wasn't going to look great for him. So, you know. So Charlie was the uh, longtime GM of the then Washington Redskins. Then he became a GM of the uh, Texans. So they they had yeah. the, the chance to take you number one. How, we're talking to Reggie yeah. Bush. How will you sum up your college career talking to your kids? Awesome, amazing. One of my favorite stops. Um, college is the place where I learned so much about myself. I became a man. Um, I had to overcome things. I had to compete. I had to you know compete for the for the, you know, for the role that I ended up, you know, um, immersing myself in as, you know, starting running back and punt returner and catching the ball out of the backfield and all those different things. And so I had to work to get there. And um, I was also surrounded by amazing talent. I was also surrounded by great coaching. And, you know, that was one of the things that also helped elevate my game as well is every time we stepped on that practice field, um, it, it, we felt like it was – you know, it was the competition level was always at its highest. It was a, it was almost, it was just straight competition. You know what I'm saying? And and from the time that the whistle was blown, we always started practice with nine on seven. I hated nine on seven because it was like the defense is, you're not throwing the football nine on seven. Um, you know, practice period. It's just a run. It's just a run period. It's the run. You're literally only running the ball, and the defense knows you can't throw it. You know, and then, <laughs> and so. Every linebacker is sprinting full speed downhill as soon as a ball is hiked in. It's like running into a brick wall. But that's what we did to get our practices started during the week, you know, as we prepared for Notre Dame, as we prepared for UCLA. And as much as we hated it, it also made us stronger. And it also helped us to develop the chemistry and the bond that we needed so that we can go and win some of these tough games. Reggie inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame during the National Football Foundation dinner in Las Vegas last month. I agree with your point about Nick Saban, if you'll paraphrase that for the audience, that uh, the reason why you think, or at least one of the reasons why Nick Saban is stepping down is because... It's because of NIL. Um, And if anybody's been paying attention, and if they've been listening to Nick Saban's um, speeches or interviews that he's been doing... some of these different conferences and I don't know where he's at when he's, you know, speaking um, to, you know, some of these people, but um, there was a point to where he was complaining about other universities paying players. He was complaining about Jimbo Fisher 
um, paying players. He complained about Deion Sanders supposedly paying, you know, five-star players. And it, it was, you know, I, I honestly felt like at one point I didn't understand it because on one side you're looking at this is supposed to be one of the greatest coaches ever in the history of college football, and here he is complaining after he just won five, six national championships. You know, so I never – I didn't understand that mindset of what are you complaining about? You're at the top. You are the pinnacle. People want to be you, and yet here you are complaining because the playing field is now starting to level itself out, and that's what people have to understand. With NIL, that's what's happening. There's a movement that's happening, and the movement is the power is going back into the hands of the players, and that's something that has never existed in college football or collegiate sports because it's been built off of amateurism, right? And we know – that it's not true. It's not truly amateurism because there's big money. This is big money business when we talk about college football and when we talk about college basketball. It's big money. It's a big business. Is Deion Sanders, what he's doing at Colorado, sustainable? Um, what, what, what do you mean? Like what part of is it sustainable? Because right now winning, you know, five, six games a year, I think it's sustainable. Um, you know, I think if you're talking about winning a national championship, that's a much tougher um, subject and question because um, they just got to start getting better recruits. They got to start getting five-star players. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You know, you can find, you know, here and there sometimes some three-star guys, maybe a two-star guy here and there, and, and turn them into a four-star, you know, player. Um, but at the end of the day – you know, to be able to win and to stay on the top, you need to be able to get those five-star recruits. You got to be able to get those five-star players. And so he has that position. He has the most important question answer, which is my, the quarterback position right now with his son. Um, after that, you know, he's got he's got to go find some guys, you know, after his son leaves. Because I think after this year, his son's probably going to be gone. Um, but he's got to start getting better, you know, better players. And, and that's – you know, that's where it's tough because at the end of the day, now you look at the Pac-12 is gone. Um, I apologize. I don't even know what's where's Colorado going now. What conference are they going to? They're uh, in the Big 12. They're going into the Big 12. So, um, Isn't that crazy that you know, we have no idea where – like <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. The, yeah, I know where they're going. <laughs> and you called it the Pac-10 or the Pac-12, and now it's the Pac-12. And, like, this is crazy. <laughs> Crazy, you it's know, crazy. It, disappointing. It really is that the grown-ups have allowed this to happen. Well, you know, it's, again, this goes back to um, the structure of college football and, and how it operates. And the narrative that um, the NCAA has been able, to, been able to create with the amateurism um, word and being able to really – deceive i think people into believing that it truly is amateurism because it's truly not amateurism um it, again like i said it's big money business um and the players are the workhorses and and for so long the players did not have power um up until most recently until the ncaa was forced uh by the supreme court um with the ruling of nine nothing to allow players to monetize off of the thing that they owned from the time that they were born, which is their name, image, and likeness. 
Uh, you filed a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA. Was that in August? Yeah. Explain, explain yeah. to me what you're hoping to get out of that. Um, listen, the NCAA made a statement about me. Um, that was a lie. They said I was paid to play. Um, and that was never part of the original investigation, um, alleging that I was paid to play. And so if it's a lie, then it's a lie. Um, and for so long, the NCAA has been able to get away with the narrative that I was paid to play. But that's why it's, it's ironic that the narrative that I was paid to play was first circulated and started by the very people who released a statement about me, um, officially, you know, stating that I was paid to play. And so that's what the, the lawsuit is over. That's what a defamation of lawsuit, um, ultimately is about is about when, you know, some person, someone says something about you that's not true. Um, especially if it's public, um, especially if it's released, you know, to, you know, numerous media outlets, you know, that pick up on it. And it's also, you know, listed as a reason as why I'm not being reinstated or a reason as why, you know, I'm not getting my Heisman Trophy back. And that's a lie. But um, what, if again, they, like I said, what if they said drop your lawsuit will restore your collegiate records? As a settlement, it's too late. It's too we we pass we way past that. Okay. We pass the. But if they um, restore your records, then you get the Heisman. They're gonna have to do that anyway. That's gonna happen anyway. All all that's gonna happen anyway because uh, again, if, I don't know if you heard what I said. A lie is a lie, right? And so if it's a lie, then it's gonna be exposed, right? We'll find out in this lawsuit. You know what I'm saying? We'll find out who's really telling the truth. And that's what's the most amazing part about it is we've never, y'all, we've never been able to do this for so long. I've never been, I haven't been able to do this, which is, you know, file this lawsuit against the NCAA until they made that statement, you know? And so that's, uh, again, that's, that's what you guys are seeing now for the first time, you're seeing my story, my case being tried in an, an official way, you know, in the court of law which is something that the NCAA has never had to do. They never had to prove their case in the court of law. Great to talk to you. Congratulations going into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Good luck with the lawsuit. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate you, Dan. That's Reggie Bush joining us on the program. He uh, won the Heisman in 2005. Well, it's interesting with the defamation lawsuit. And that's, as he said, we're past that, where, hey, Drop the lawsuit, we'll restore your records, and then the Heisman will then recognize you, and then they will give you your Heisman. At least that's what we've been told. Yeah, Paul. Right. The Heisman Trophy Trust that took away Reggie Bush's Heisman and the, the honor and the award they took away, you know, they did that because they chose to follow suit with the NCAA's eligibility rules. It's very much like the Pete Rose situation. The, the Heisman has a separate set of rules. Just they, like the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame does. Correct. They don't have to abide by baseball, but they normally do. Correct. That, the Heisman Trust chose to do it with Reggie Bush. And if he was, if somehow his, his records were restored, they would be almost obligated to give him back. Last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow, and uh, we'll take a break back after this. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. 
and Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I mean? thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you can also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Playmaker Michael Irvin will join us on the program tomorrow. Last call for phone calls, what we learn, what's in store tomorrow. Have all of that coming up also this day in sports history. Seton, the uh, final results of the poll question, please. Yeah, Dan, we got up there. Uh, who had the worst Ooh. loss this week? It is by far the Cowboys. Yeah, Not even close. Okay. And uh, NFC East team that feels like it's in the worst shape. The Giants are not running away with that one. But right now it's Giants, Commanders, Eagles, Cowboys. Okay. Cowboys being in the worst shape is interesting to me because they feel like they're also maybe the closest. Oh, I think they're in great shape. Yeah. I do because they they, they do have Okay, so you have a defense defensive player who's elite, you have a quarterback who played really well this year, and you have a really high-end wide receiver. You have a very good tight end. You still have a respectable offensive line. I thought the defense got pushed around. Uh, but if you bring in somebody who changes the culture there, and that's not easy, but 
like Mike Vrabel feels like a really strong personality. Obviously, Bill Belichick. I don't know. Nobody said anything about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I don't know if he's going to interview with uh, any other teams. Probably the Raiders, but uh, interview with the Chargers yesterday. Uh, let me see. Go around. Uh, let's see. How many phone calls do we have here? Try to get a couple of these phone calls in here. Uh, let's see. Scott in Indiana. Hi, Scott. What's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing today, DP? Good. And it. Uh, long time listener, first time caller, six one two sixty. Talking about Belichick going to the Cowboys. Um, I hate to say this, seeing that I'm a, not a huge Cowboys fan, but uh, sort of remember when the big tuna Parcells was there. Yeah, if I remember, that didn't turn out too too decent for both parties involved. What's your thoughts on that? I hang up and listen. All righty, thank you, Scott. Yeah, I don't know how long he was there. What the the record was of the Cowboys with Belichick. That's a long time ago. But I was surprised that they brought in Belichick because of his personality. You have it, Paulie? Yeah. Bill Parcells, uh, he was 62 in 2003 when he joined the Cowboys. 10 and 6, 6 and 10, 9 and 7, 9 and 7. Yeah. One playoff appearance. Yeah. In the first year. Yeah, that won't get it done. I, I saw where uh, Mike Greenberg and Greg Olson were going back and forth on social media where Greeny thought that time for Dallas to move on, and Greg Olson, who's the broadcaster for Fox, former tight end, said uh, that he didn't agree because, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, here's a guy who gets you 12 wins every year. And he was saying that uh, teams will be jumping all over themselves to try to get Mike McCarthy, which I, I'm with Greeny on this. I don't think that's true. Uh, he he doesn't bring twelve wins to Carolina. Like just if you said, "Hey, I get him, we get twelve wins." We've seen his best work. Do I think teams are going to be jumping, you know, climbing all over themselves to get Mike McCarthy if he's let go by Dallas? I don't. I don't see him there with Belichick or Vrabel. Uh, I'd rather have Pete Carroll. Uh, I I just don't know if. And, and somebody even said this yesterday to me. Well, what about uh, Aaron Rodgers brings him to the Jets? I go, oh, let, let, let's just stop with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets and any any anything. I, can, I don't want any more. I'm good. I'm full. Don't need anything. If he brings him in, great. Good, good for him. That's a, I, he keeps talking about flushing things down the toilet, Aaron Rodgers. So now you're going to flush Robert Sala down the toilet? I don't see that happening. <sighs> But, yeah, do I think other teams are going to go, man, we got to have Mike, like Atlanta? Like, I'd rather have a younger coach in Atlanta, a younger coach in Carolina. Like Mike McCarthy? I think we thought, okay, maybe he's the missing ingredient there. Well, he hasn't been. This day in sports history, Paul. 1896, the first five-player college basketball game was played in Iowa City, Iowa. I don't know before that if it was six players or four players. Can't find that yet. Hmm. Kind of weird. Uh, 1961, Mickey Mantle signed a contract extension, which made him the highest paid player in baseball, $75,000. Mm. Malcolm Glazer bought the Buccaneers in 1995 for $192 million. Yeah. They're worth 20 times that. Uh, 2002, baseball owners voted to approve the $660 million sale of the Boston Red Sox. They're worth about six times that. All right. Uh, 1966, Chicago was granted a franchise to be called the Bulls. Um, also, on this date in 2019, this player became the first player 
to score over 55 points in back-to-back games, the first since 1962. This was 2019 on this date. Marvin, back-to-back games of 55 or more points. Kyrie Irving? No. Paulie? James Harden? Yep. Bloop, bloop. Bloop, bloop. First to do so since Wilt Chamberlain did that in 1962. Let's go around the room. I know we learned something today. Todd, what'd you learn? Steve Young desperately wishes he could play today so he can actually have fun. It's not just a challenging or rewarding sport. Seton O'Connor, what'd you learn? Now's not the time for talking about the future, okay? We All got right. guys hurt. Okay. Uh, Marvin? The back row has Belichick to the Cowboys next week. All right, Paulie? Steve Young is no longer a quarterback. What about you, Todd? What did I learn? Reggie Bush's favorite player growing up, Barry Sanders. Favorite team, San Diego Chargers. When it comes to celebrating major sporting events, nobody does it like Las Vegas, a city where spectacle and celebration are woven into the fabric of that community. Las Vegas, where conventional is challenged, the unexpected embraced. It's not just celebrating, it's celebration with an edge. Thanks for joining us. Our pleasure to serve you. Michael Irvin on the program tomorrow. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.